Good morning, church. I'm going to be on this side most of the morning because those guys over there all know me. Amen. And uh, congratulations to the young man that's going to do a public profession of faith today. That's the boldness it takes in this world to say you no longer belong to the world, but belong to the one who died for you, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Go out and be an ambassador and win some souls, son, okay? So uh, don't end up like I did on this story I'm about to tell you. Aubrey asked me to share my testimony, my heart, so you all know about, more about the House of Hope and, and why somebody with the same mind would want to hang around 60 drug and alcoholics all day long. They said, man, you're crazy. I said, no, I've been sitting right where every one of them have been sitting, and I know what it takes to overcome the things of this world. Let me start. This here is free, okay? It's absolutely free. This might not be free if you don't know who I'm talking about. Any of y'all ever heard of Perry Stone? Raise your hand. There's one, two, three, four, five. Okay, okay. Hannah, you heard of Perry Stone? Perry Stone is a kind of an end times preacher. He's on TBN, has his own show. He's very famous out there in the world. And so yesterday I got through spraying army worms, and I was give out tired, man. And, and, uh, and I got my easy chair about 3 o'clock, and, and my phone went off. And there's a preacher from Huntsville, and he said, uh, he said, Brad, would you like to see Perry Stone? Well, Perry Stone is sold out everywhere he goes. I mean, he's booked up, sold out. You can't keep his CDs or books on the shelf and, and that sort of stuff. He's been doing it for 46 years, I believe. And uh, I said, you know, we don't have any tickets. And he said, how many seats you need? And I said, well, Eli back there, stand up, Eli. That's the DA of Madison County's son, and his mom and dad are out of town, and I'm in charge of babysitting him, right? And hopefully he won't have any charges on his daddy's desk when he gets back after this little trip, amen? Thank you, Eli. I said, Eli, do you know what Perry Stone is? Yeah, I watch him on YouTube. I said, do you want to go see him? He said, sure. Aubrey, they walked us in there, and they said, bam, right here. 400 people, and we get front row seat. And about the time a phone goes off, and it's Brian, his daddy, and he says, hey, is there any way you can get a picture of, Brian, of Eli and Perry Stone? I'm like, now he's pushing it. <laughs> this front row here is full of security. They got guys up here. They, they walk him in. The closing prayer, you know, he says, everybody close their eyes and start praying, and everybody starts praying, and, 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 and then you open your eyes, and he's gone. He's off the stage. And, uh, and like, man, you know, that picture ain't going to happen, you know. And then the preacher walks up to me and says, hey, he said, I got some food for you. Follow my wife. So I follow his wife. And we go through there. And I go to walk in this door. And a great big hand goes on my chest. And he said, son, where are you going? I said, I'm following her. He said, okay, go in. Me and Eli went in there. And it was just us and Perry Stone. <laughs> Romans, uh, uh, Proverbs 18.6 says, your gifts will set you before great men. And all Perry Stone wanted to know about was the house of hope and man what a blessing it was to sit there and have dinner with him just him we're the only ones outside people there and talk about the house of hope and i'm like we didn't see this coming so next thing i know i'm boom 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 i'm sitting up snapshots to to brian he's like how did that happen i said man i can't tell you it's a god story is all i can tell you so anyway perry stone wants to meet you guys tonight all he said bring all 60 of you so they got us 60 seats. They moved. The, it was at the Willis campus. Now they're at the Huntsville campus. Uh, Jeff Hackman has five campuses. Will, Willis, uh, Cleveland, Cold Spring, somewhere else and somewhere else. New Waverly and Huntsville. That's what it is. So anyway, that was free right there to show you the favor that people have with God who trust in Jesus Christ. 
And all I had to do was answer the call. That's all I've done here is answer the call. The Bible says many were called, but few were chosen. See, when I ever tell you my testimony, what I'm about to tell you, the rated G version, is I grew up with a father that was a, a figure for the state of Texas, and we lived on prison farms. And he had an office on every unit, and he answered to one person, and that person answered to the government, Texas Department of Criminal Justice. And in 1972, we moved to Madisonville. And uh, so I grew up with inmates being my best friends. We played ball with them. We're secluded on these units. We rode the grass with them. I shot at them with BB guns through the window screen. Oh, boss, a wasp got me. It wasn't no wasp. It was me shooting at them with a BB gun, you know, at five years of age, you know. And so anyway, you become a product of your environment, basically what I'm trying to tell you here. And there's evil spirits over those prison units that you can't imagine. And because of the way I was raised, my mother's a school teacher, my daddy, the two authoritative figures that, and I ate straight A's in school, athlete, fellowship Christian athlete. Now, you know what? I looked at the yearbook and it said FCA. I was like, what is that? And the guy next to me said, that's fellowship Christian athlete. I said, how could I be in the fellowship of Christian athletes and an officer and not even know Jesus? Because that was the world I lived in. We never went to church. We never did anything like that. So, man, when I got to A&M, I came over here to play ball, baseball. And when I got to A&M, because of my hyperness and because of my outgoing personality and my addictive personality, we were playing poker one night in an apartment with some bankers and loggers' sons. And here I am, a dairy farmer's son and, and prison guard's son and, 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 and school teachers. I had no spot in there with the white collar because I was a blue-collar kid. And they said, Brad, what do you own? What do you own? I said, I'm not on anything. They said, well, try this. And I did, and it was methamphetamine. And that one try lasted 17 years of my life and ruined it. 17 years, it was my God. I put drugs before everything else, before jobs, before my, 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 my relationships with women, my family. But it was, it was my God. You know what you do with your God? You protect it. You lie for it. You steal for it. You do anything for it. Any guys know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about, don't you? I was so good at it that my own mother and daddy didn't know I was on it for 17 years. I used it as a tool. Back then, speed was speed, and you could go for days and days, and and, and just you just had to use it as a tool and regulate it. And this, well, you know what? I started to break the law, and I got in trouble. It was in Brazos County. Now, I had an attorney named Billy Carter. He's still an attorney over here. He's the best attorney you get. If you want to sit down with him, you better have $50,000 just to talk to him. But he was my little dribbler coach in 1977, and we won the Nationals for him in Leveland. So when I got in trouble, he was right there. You know, I'll take care of Brad. I'll do this. I'll do that. So in 02, I was driving a John Deere tractor with a 30-pack of beer in it on a Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. And I passed by this church down a dirt road in an old trailer house. They had just opened it up. And here I am. 
And there's this white-headed preacher standing out there at 9 o'clock in the morning raking the churchyard for the people got there. And I got out, and I said, hello, my name's Brad Brock. And he said, I know who you are. He said, my name's Glenn Campbell. I said, well, I know who you are immediately. I'm thinking about Rhinestone Cowboy, you know. He said, no, you know. He said, did you know uh, Craig Reynolds that played for the Astros shortstop? I said, yeah. He said, he's my first cousin. I said, oh, yeah, that's, that's pretty cool, you know. And I love baseball, you know. So I had a decision I had to make, and I, I just, there was a man of God there. And I, it was my first time to ever stop and ask this guy, you know. I said, look here, I've had this tremendous job offer in Colorado. It's uh, looking after 175,000 acres. They, they've shown me up. They've taken me up there. They've shown me everything. And I said, but I got my dad here. I'm farming this little old land over here, and I, I've got other jobs, and, and I just I need direction on to take this job in Colorado to stay here. Now, take it in mind. I was on probation. I had warrants out for me, and uh, I was about to become famous, and I didn't know it. And the advice he gave me was, Brad, my daddy went to Colorado elk hunting and never came back. He died up there. He said, if you have a daddy that's still alive, I would encourage you to spend as much time with him as you can. That wasn't the answer I wanted to hear. He said, by the way, we're having church next Sunday. Why don't you come in? I thought, wow. He invited me to church. You know, that's, that's pretty good. I stop there, get out of the tractor, 9 o'clock morning, beer in my hand, and this man's not judging me or nothing and, 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 and want me to come to church. Yeah, yeah. So what did I do, Aubrey? I went, I went home that night, and, and, I, and it's Saturday, and, and uh, I said, you know what? I, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to do that. Only time I've been to church, a grandmother wasn't making me go on Christmas or Easter. Mother wasn't, or girlfriend trying to drag me in. And so it's the first time I went on my own wheel. And I walked in that church. Let me back up a minute. I had a five-year-old daughter. Get this, she was going to a private Christian school in Huntsville called Alpha Omega, the beginning and the end. And she came in one day, and she had this little cardboard cutout on her, and it had the scripture on it in John 5, and it says, Take up your mat, arise, and go to your house, and all shall be amazed. And I took that off her neck, and I hung it on a deer horn or something in my kitchen, and, and uh only scripture I'd ever looked at and only knew. And I was 38 years old. And when I walked into that church, under the influence, pulled the needle out of my arm, drank half a bottle of vodka to get the courage to walk into church. And when I walked in that church, I sat at the very back like I was today. And this preacher read this story. He said, now they're in Jerusalem by the sheep gate of pool, which is called Hebrew, Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. He had. That was past tense. And I'm listening, and I'm like, I've heard that story somewhere before. Then I remembered it was on that, cut out of that bed on that construction paper. And it says, now a certain man was there, 
With an infirmity of 38 years, bingo, that's me, Lord, 38 years old, and here I sit. I mean, God cleaned my clock, and I didn't even know what was going on. Remember, I'm under the influence. I don't know what spirit's going on. I'm thinking I'm just having a bad day. And he said, been laying there 38 years. And, and when Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that he had already been in a condition a long time. And I had been in that condition for a very long time. And then Jesus asked the man, do you want to be made well? And I was like, yes, Lord. I want to be made well. And I got up out of that back seat full of church people I did not know, crying. The Bible says come before the altar with a broken heart and contrite spirit. I was broken. These people didn't know me. I didn't know them. I just knew that something had happened to me that had never happened before, no matter how high I'd been or how drunk I'd been. I'd never experienced what I experienced because the Holy Spirit, there is no word you can put on him when he hits you. The sick man answered him, Sir, I have a man, no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred. But while I'm coming, another steps in before me. See, this man was full of excuses. Guys, this time you've had all the excuses in the world. Do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be healed? What did he say? What he had, past tense. Jesus came to heal the sick, not the wellness. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed, and walk. There it is. There's a scripture that had been on my, hanging up for two or three years that I'd seen. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed, and walked. <clears throat> so here I am, 38 years old, a ruined life, <clears throat> got charges, fallen in love with Jesus, went down and said the <clears throat> sinner's prayer, the whole world got lifted off my shoulder. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, all things of old have passed away and everything becomes new. I'm going to tell you something. I needed everything new in my life. You need everything new in your life? I'm talking about everything is everything, right? He said I had a brand new slate, a clean sheet, that no man could hold anything against me anymore, that I had been set free. You want to be set free? That's all you got to do. Listen to the rest of the story. So here I am set free, and I feel like I don't have any burdens or problems in the world. So I'm going to church three times a day, man. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm three services every Sunday. I'm starting to get involved in prison ministry and travel all over, and I'm doing all this in four months. Couldn't get enough of Jesus. I'm chasing after God any way a man could chase after God. And I told the preacher, I had a 14-year-old son. I said, look, they want to talk to me one more time about that Colorado job. And so I thought I'd take your son. Oh, man, he'd never been. Please take him up there. How long are you going to be gone? So I get up there to the mountaintops of Colorado, and I'm there. And the guy that owned the place, his name was uh, Tom, I mean, uh, Tom uh, Redmond. Tom Redmond owned the Aussie Shampoo Company. Y'all remember the little purple bottles with the kangaroos on them? He made it, he made it in his bathtub and made millions and millions of dollars. And he owned all this land. And he, he had 2,000 head of buffalo that he would let Hollywood come down and use for movies. He breed pack horses with Clydesdales to get the horses to ranch for wildlife. I mean, he had every toy imaginable for his machinery goes. And so they took me up on that mountain one more time with that preacher's son. And they said, all this can be yours. You listening to me? All this can be yours if you'll just come up here. When Satan tempted Jesus at the mountaintop, what did he say? 
What do you say, Bible scholars over here? All this can be yours if you do what? Bow down and worship him. I'm going to tell you something. If you don't have Jesus Christ in your life, then you're bound down to him because you're bound down to the world. And the world will make no sense. And you'll get caught up in stuff you ain't got no business getting caught up in. You've got to make Jesus Lord of your life, King of your life, and keep key Jesus there. And it is not about religion. It's not about service. It's about a relationship. That's what we teach these men four times a day. That's what we teach these men, servant leadership. And that's why this program is so successful because Jesus is a rock and what he's around. So after I say no to the offer, it was a nice house too, Aubrey. I mean, it had a view, mountaintop, and cat. But how many of you know you can't live in a picture? Amen. It looks good to the eye, smells good to the nose. All the senses say yeah, but the Spirit of the Lord said no. Amen. So we come off that mountain, and the phone rings, and it's my mother. She said, are you okay? I said, yeah, I'm okay. About the time another phone rings, it's pastor's son. Now, this is in 03, 02, about December. She said, uh, you're on TV, most wanted. I said, you've got to be kidding me. And then the preacher calls his son. He says, son, are you okay? Yeah, daddy, why? He said, uh, I need to talk to Brad. And he said, so? So here I am, a brand-new Christian, on fire for God, and my past has caught up with me. So I go to church when I get back. We made it back. I called the lawyer. He said, whatever you do, don't get pulled over. It'll be bad. He said, they got a bounty on you. You're on TV. You're on the newspaper. Brazos Valley's most wanted. Yeah, I'm famous here in your little county. So, uh, and it was for probation violation. I've been on probation for 10. I'd gone for 8. They would never let me off. As Aubrey knows, you get, you're supposed to get off half your time, a third of your time. I'd done the 200 hours community service. I'd done the psychological evaluation. They wanted to know why I did what I did, and I was protecting my God the whole time. I never would tell them the truth. So they couldn't get me any help for my problem because I protected my problem. But Jesus had delivered me four months before. And I'm telling you what, my mind just came like a sponge. I can tell you the addresses of the Bible, where they're at, claim them right and left, and I don't know where it came from. It's just a gift. And I started claiming, Lord, John 8, 32, the truth will set you free. John 8, 36, son, set free, free indeed. Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. 4, 13, Philippians, I can do all things Christ who strengthens me. I'm like, Lord, read 2 Chronicles 20, 17, it says this battle doesn't belong to you, it belongs to the Lord. How many of y'all got a battle going on right now? You need to give it to the Lord fight that battle. If you don't have a battle, you're about to build going one or you just come out of one. I'm telling you right now, my last battle has been army worms. And I thank to God I got them yesterday. They come to church to get me, Aubrey. The law does. And not knowing and not having the, the spiritual guidance I needed in that area, I should have turned myself in. Because if I get a man that's coming here, first thing I do is get him checked in. I said, we're going to handle this the right way. I tell him where he's at. He's in a recovery program. And thank God I have not lost a man in 15 years. We handle it the right way, and God shows his grace and mercy. And that preacher said, no, he's out there six days a week. You're not going to come in this church and get him. I was like, wow, I like the protection of my God. Amen? Amen. It's pretty good stuff right here. Well, it wasn't very long lived. January 3rd, I got pulled over. Somebody turned me in for the bounty money. And I went to jail in Brazos County. And I'm in jail in Brazos County 
looking at six years TDC. And when I walked in, they called me preacher man. And I'm like, oh, man. You know, I'm not, I'm not, that, I'm not that guy. Well, yeah, you are, you know. And so these guys, I formed relationships with them. And, and we would read the Bible. If they'd read the Bible with me, I'd give them a, a soup and then if exchange for reading it. So I was, I was trading physical food for spiritual food, amen. And, and, and they would have 25 years and they'd sign for 12 and be just tickled to death. They'd have six and sign for three and be tickled to death. My lawyer come, he said, what's my deal? He said, they're going to make an example out of you because you have made a mockery of the court systems. You've made a mockery of the probation department, and they are highly upset with you. I'm like, man, six years TDC. I got a five-year-old daughter. My mother would call me. I was in jail for 75 days. She said, your daughter's wanting to know where you're at. And I said, uh, Mom, tell her that Jesus and I are building a bridge over troubled waters. And she told her that. Not knowing I would later be in the construction business. <laughs> Not later knowing that I would be in the construction business to help all these men build bridge over troubled waters. So my lawyer, this day of the court, no deal, six years. I get in that shower that morning. And I say, God, your will be done in my life. Amen. If I'm supposed to go to prison and do what I'm doing and sharing the word with these guys like I'm doing, then your will be done. But your word says, who the sun sets free is free indeed. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing but through prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving make all your requests known unto God. And then he will give you the peace that surpasses all human understanding. And when I prayed that prayer, I got up from that shower in that corner, and I felt the same exact feeling I felt when I accepted Jesus Christ that morning. And I knew that God had my back. I knew that I had confirmation for heaven that I was going home today. You know why? Because he told me I was. Hey, baby. Hey. He said, I'm going, you're going home today. So here I am, man. I'm, I'm shackled. I got my, my irons on, and, and I'm walking by my family. I'm walking by my pastor. I'm, and, 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 you know, they're all just grinning. I'm grinning. Hey, mama, you know, hey, hey, pastor, you know, how you doing? You know, there's the joy that surpasses all human understanding right there. And here comes my lawyer, man. And he has got a sheet of paper in his hand, and he is smiling and tickled to death. And he said, Brad, look what I got for you. You sign this right here, it'll be out nine months. He said, sign it. And I said, Really? Only nine months. And I took that sheet of paper, and I remember what God had told me. I was going home today. And I said, I'm sorry, I can't sign this. And handed it back to him. Well, Brad, I'm going to tell you right now. The court systems are just full of Jesus-trained people. They don't want to hear it. They don't have nothing to do with it. It ain't going to work. I appreciate your conversion, but you're going to prison for six years. That judge has two jobs. One of them is to send you to the prison, and the other one is which one he's going to send you to. That's it. Nothing else. If you don't take this deal, you're going. So he said, wait a minute. He went out there and he talked to my mother, my pastor, a deacon, his wife. He said, y'all go in there and talk some sense to Brad. He's got to sign this sheet of paper. Let me tell you something. They said, we're going to agree with whatever Brad wants to do. And, boy, he came in that room and he took my deal, my clipboard. And, and Billy Carter played basketball for Rice University. He's a big old fella. He threw it and them papers went everywhere. And, I, well, there goes my deal. And it's just raining down, you know, like coming from heaven. And he got right in my face and he pointed his finger at me. And he was, now look here, this man, let me back up a minute, had always told me how to get out of trouble. 
DWI, show up this money, walk away. Another DWI, walk away. I'd, I'd been in trouble several times and walked away without a record of completely unscathed because I had listened to man. And this time, God had told me I'm going home in the spirit, but in the world reality of flesh, here I am going to prison for six years. So he gets me in my face and he says, Brad, I want to know why you won't sign this. I mean, he was highly irritated. I said, two reasons. I said, my life is in a mess. And it's in a mess because I've been in control of it. I said, whatever happens today, I've surrendered to Jesus Christ. And if I sign that sheet of paper, no matter how good it looks, I'm taking it out of God's hands and putting it back in my hands. And I can't do that. And he sat down, and I put my arm around him. I said, Mr. Carter, maybe I need to get me an attorney that thinks like me. And boy, when I said that, it was like saying, sick him to a bulldog. Here I am with nobody about to fire a $100,000 appointment attorney. And I said, I put some man, well, you caught me in basketball. How much better team did we have? And, and I prayed over him. And, and, uh, and so well, the, the preacher had told me in a sermon one time in those four months that when I come with a fork in the road, I had to take the road, not travel. I had to walk by faith and not by sight. That's hard to walk by faith and not by sight. Because we rely on our senses and our learning. And, and we do the opposite of Proverbs 3, 4, 5, and 6. Do not lean on your own understanding. But in all things acknowledge me. Trust me. And I will make your past clear. We got in that courtroom. We walked in there. I'm going to tell you all something. A DA usually has a file on you. And they put it up here. When she came through that hallway, she would pull in a little red wagon. Her name was Glennis Gore. Very important. DA. Good DA. Nothing wrong with her. She's doing her job. And she took her my file out and she, bam. Bam. It just kept getting higher. And she kept doing that. And that judge kept looking at me. And I'm like, oh, man, I should have signed that sheet of paper. <laughs> this ain't good. Then I went to claiming the promises of God over it. Colossians 2 says you take the written Handwritten law of man and nailed it to the cross and triumphantly, publicly, triumphantly over them in public. I'm like, oh, Lord, I don't know where that scripture came from, but thank you for bringing it and remember it. That's the handwritten law, and that's been crucified me. Nail it to the cross, cover it by the blood, and let it be done. Your word says, Philippians 3.13, one thing I do do is forgetting those things that are behind and pressing forward for the goal that Jesus Christ has set before me. Father God, I don't know what your goal is for me, but I'm all yours. This is it. I'm done. For four hours, Satan brought my past up. Was it true? Yes. Most of it was. Did I deserve six years? Yes. Did I deserve 60? Yes. Did I deserve probably life? Yes. For all the sin I had done my whole entire life, I deserved it. But Jesus came. That, 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 that Judge Langley, one of the toughest judges you can get, he said, Mr. Brock, please stand up. And I stood up. He said, uh, you've been one of two things. He said, you've either been good or you've been very bad and good at it. And he said, I seem to think it's the last thing I said. 
He said, six years, TDC. And he raised his gavel, and our eyes locked, and it seemed like eternity. And he started shaking his head, and he said, I don't know why I'm even doing this, but y'all take him home today. Bam! Amen. Set free by the blood of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Look, that story is about faith, trust, scriptures, God's word coming back. And God knew when I walked out of that, that jail that day, the scripture came to me in Peter. It said, do not use your freedom in Christ to please your sinful flesh. Here I am, I've been drinking the whole time, doing drugs the last 15 years, I've been on probation, doing all this stuff I wasn't supposed to be doing. Now here I am free to do whatever I want to do, yet however I choose not to do the things that I used to do, as it says in Romans 7. So I did, that scripture, do not use your freedom in Christ to please the sinful flesh. I'm like, wait a minute. I know what that means now. I didn't know what it meant before, but I know what it means now. So y'all ready for you? I started doing prison ministry, winning souls to the Lord, doing jail ministry, just doing everything I could for Jesus, telling them my testimony. When I'd go into prison, there'd be a thousand inmates. I'd say, how many of y'all signed a sheet of paper saying you wanted to be here? And no hand. I said, come on now, how many of y'all signed a deal? Everybody's hands go up. I said, how many of y'all men are tired of trusting in man and won't trust in God today? And I tell them my story. Salvation rate unbelievable. I walk out of prison feeling as low and empty as I was when I was on drugs and alcohol, and I could not explain why. I couldn't do it. So one day I'd had three baptisms at the county jail, and I was walking out there by the flagpole of a crepe myrtle, and I just fell to my knees, and I said, God, that's the biggest victory you could have, a man's life being written in the Lamb's Book of Life, a soul being won. Why am I so empty on the inside? What am I doing wrong? What am I doing wrong? And he said, it's one word. Discipleship. Oh, my God, I missed the mark. He calls us to make disciples. He didn't say make converts. So it's making disciples you make converts because you can't make a disciple without even knowing Jesus, amen? So all of these here are disciples. Instead of leaving the Lord, patting them on the back, and never seeing them again, you know, oh, your reward's in heaven. You know, you did this, you did that. I don't know why I'm taking it up when I get there. My reward's going to be when I walk in with one of these men that I have discipled. And so that's why God put it on my heart to open up the House of Hope 15 years ago. And Jerry Huff, he's a board member. He's about to close here in a little bit for me. So what we do with the House of Hope men is we take them in. 30-day blackout period. I just got a guy in last night from Biloxi, Mississippi. Where you at? Where you at, Biloxi? Oh, thank God you got that haircut. Didn't even recognize you. Yeah, I got one over from Colorado, Oklahoma, you name it. I got some that are California. They don't know it, but the way they act, they got to be. <laughs> the house of hope. That's my testimony. That's why I do what I do for God. That's what I do for Jesus. We travel all over. We go to a different church every Sunday. Every Sunday. We shoot. We're going to Paris Stone tonight. You guys are going to be blessed. The guys, will, Google, Google ain't got nothing on him. This guy knows more about the Bible and teaching and tying everything in and the Greek and the Hebrew words. And, of course, he went into Hitler and Eli was finishing the sentences for he would because he knew the history of, of, of the genocide. And, and it's just crazy what this man knows that we're going to be blessed with tonight. So 
But so the guys check in 30-day blackout period. They don't talk to anybody but Jesus. Bible classes four times a day. After that, they get a three-hour pass. Larry, come up here a minute. Larry's my hands-on program. Chris Ashton, where are you at? I recognize you too as a leader. And Brandon, one of my graduates. All these guys have been through the program, okay? Larry, Chris, how many years you been with me? About what? Ten? Larry? They could be doing anything else like that they want to in the world, but because of what Christ has done in their life and because this program has changed them, they have chose to serve the Lord so they can get the same benefits I get to see these men walk the stage after a year. Tell them about the program. All right, like Brad said, it's a 30-day blackout. After that, they get a three-hour on-site, three-hour off-site, so on and so forth. Um, first three days is grace. Uh, the guys, you know, give them bread and food and a little extra before they get on the schedule. Try to come down off of whatever they're coming down off, if they are coming down off anything. Um, like you said, we got, we got three times a day Bible studies, a morning devotion, work assignments during the day. Um, and the morning devotions are taken up and graded on the questions that are asked. Yeah. It's not a... Some personal questions that they need to pray about. Um, we got work assignments during the day after the men are there. Um, in the four or five months, they become eligible for work phase. You find them a job, they start working, turning their money, give them a $20 a week allowance. So when they graduate, they have something to step out on. I know that for me, when I came in, I came from Houston, you know, I've seen it like, oh, man, it's, I can sit here a, month, or a year and, and, you know, I have everything when I graduate. And, uh, man, God changed my heart in that process. Um, you know, I thought I was just going to sit here a year and do what I was told. And, You've been to prison how many times? Uh, four. And it didn't work? Did the house of hope work? Have you been back to prison since you've been there? Did you get a new set of teeth? Did God give you a new set of teeth? Yeah. That's one thing we did. We restore all the things the cake, the, the locusts and the cake worm have eaten. We restore it. Amen. Yeah. Amen. God restored my family. God restored. I shouldn't ask, did you get a new set of teeth? They can tell. I gained 100 pounds. Amen. But I know that, uh, I know it works for me if I surrender. Tell them about the accountability level that's there, the discipline that's there. You ain't supposed to go anywhere without anybody. You gotta have accountability. Two by two, the highways and hedges. Yes. Everything we do Jesus, scriptural. The way Jesus sent them out, two by two. If they do get a twelve hour pass or twenty four hour pass, they've been there long enough, or at the end of the walk they get a forty eight hour pass. And gentlemen, what's waiting on you when you come home? A drug test. A drug test. You, you, you pass it, you fail any of those, you're out of there. It's strictly run and highly, highly, highly disciplined. And they don't like it. They just hauled 6,500 square bells in 10 days. <laughs> you did a good job. Amen. A very good job. And they don't understand the discipleship that goes in that and, and what we're actually doing for you by doing that. But you will when you graduate, I promise you. Now, after four months, we're able to do what? What we do with that money? Pay any kind of probation fees, uh, pay their debt back to society, child support, help families, when they got wife and kids at home. Uh, back child support. Get, yeah, back child support, help them get a driver's license, social security card, baby certificate. Um, give them the tools that they need when they graduate. They, they 
start with life, life more abundantly. And when they, gradu when they graduate, they walk the stage, they give their testimony after 365 days, and we present them with their checks. Some have walked away with ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000. Being in a recovery program that usually charges $1,000 a day in the world, Jesus gives it to you absolutely free and restores everything in your life. And we're not funded by anybody but Jesus Christ. Amen. Fifteen years, Jerry Huff, you've never asked me, hear me, off, I've never asked for an offering of the plate, ever. I spoke at a congregation in Norman, Oklahoma a couple months ago. There's like 500 people there. They, men, I never asked for a dime, never asked for a dollar. They just saw what God was doing, and they kept walking up, handing me checks, handing me checks, handing me checks. And when we got in the bus, I just emptied my pocket, and I said, Larry, count them. 33,000. What you don't understand is 33 threes are my number. Threes are representation of angels. 30, Jeremiah 33, three says, call upon me in your time of need, and I will answer you. Show you great and mighty and searchable things. All these men, when they see the word three or 33, they say what? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So if first give us $33,000, we got on the bus, come on back. And they said, hey, can you go talk in Kansas City? Can you go talk in Portland, Oregon? I'm like, $33,000, I'll talk standing on my head. But, but anyway, that was all God, and that's how we do it. And, 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 and churches like y'all, uh, to, to support the ministry and do that monthly deal, man, that's where all this money goes. So we feed them, we hose them, we, clap, we, we house them, we clothe them, we get them to doctor's appointments, uh, we get them to eyeglass appointments, we get them, most importantly, to court dates, okay? That's when my testimony, what God's done in my life and how these guys get to see it every day. Hey, man, if he set Brad free, he'll set free, me free. And I always tell him in Jeremiah 17, 9, it is the condition of the heart. He sees your heart. And a lot of them, unfortunately, there's some of them here that have pulled a Monopoly card on me, and this is a get-out-of-jail-free card. Listen to you. The same DA that wanted to send me to prison sends me men to help to the center of the prison. I mean, I don't know how much bigger turnaround you could get. And we see miracles every day up there every day these men see miracles in their life and uh, some of them don't get it right the first time some of them leave come back fall on their nose after you know and come back and beg us to come back well when we when they left it was the most horrible place on earth and all of a sudden they're calling hey man brant briggs where you at how many times you've been come back three you're gonna get it right this time how many retreads i got out there look at there one two three four huh ain't too bad a place after all is it praise the lord Okay, so I'm just about to wrap up here. You got anything else you want to say? No, sir. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, Larry and Chris are not the most popular men at the House of Hope. They rack them out of bed at 6 and lights are out at 9. And there's no food in the dorms. You can imagine all the nonsense that tries to get away with up there. But you didn't tell them about the punishment phase, Larry. Woodpile? How many of y'all ever experienced with a woodpile? A woodpile is where you take a piece of wood and it'll get you up 5 o'clock in the morning and you walk around the campus for two hours. Yeah. And you talk to Jesus. And you talk to Jesus a lot, don't you guys? Then you get up and go to a full day's work. That two hours sleep pretty important if it stood with a woodpile in it, guys. But it doesn't the Lord say in Hebrews 12, he chastens those that he loves. Amen. I was in the pit, and God brought me to the palace. I came from 
a house that only had an ice box in it with a 40-watt light bulb, and I know that because I wanted to eat it one night. I was so hungry. And I weighed 185 pounds from my addiction. Now I'm at 250, in case y'all wondering. <laughs> Guys, did God show up in your darkest hour for you? And brought you? The court systems around the surrounding counties, Grimes, Leon, Walker, Brazos, Oklahoma, Louisiana, were known by, for helping men through Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior about getting their lives restored. DAs, Texas Rangers, call me. Where's that young kid at the Texas Ranger call me about this? Yeah. Kobe. This kid here, 17 years old, got pulled over on 45, driving a vehicle he did not own. It's the best way I know to put it. <laughs> Texas Rangers said, man, this kid ain't had a chance to know where he's been. Would you give him a chance? And I said, I'd love to disciple that young man. So Kobe, he's, uh, he's, he, we got a lot of world to flush out of him, but he is doing excellent as a young man. Is he bucking us? Yes. Does he get punished for it? Yes. But he's in the house of the Lord, and we do it with love. Amen. So, Kobe, I love you, man. I ain't calling you out, but I am calling you out because God's got a calling on your life at your young age. You need to answer it. Timothy says, do not let them despise you because of your youth, and that's where you're at, okay? So you learn everything you can these teachers and preachers so you can get your life turned around, okay? Didn't know that about old Brad, did you? Didn't know it, did you? A lot of these guys hadn't heard the testimony because they have been here long enough. But, but anyway, so it all started, guys, at the cross. And it's all going to end at the cross. Jerry, come on up here. Jerry's an evangelist. He won't be long at all, I promise you. His job when he followed me around is, he said, Brad, you know what I'm going to preach on uh, when I close with? And I said, what, Jerry? He said, uh, Matthew 25, the one you quoted before he got up here. When you started quoting, he started shaking his head. I said, uh-oh. Jerry's had two sons that graduated at A&M, but he don't want to turn the microphone on. My sons ain't taught me nothing. Hey, thank you all for your time, and uh, that's what the House of Hope is all about right there. Amen. Amen. Well, we are so proud to, to be here. I want to ask you guys something. I want to ask the House of Hope something. How many of you guys grew up going to church? I want you to look at that. I want you guys to understand that, like Brad said, it's not about religion. It's about a relationship. And that relationship with Jesus Christ will bring you to the question. And the question that all of us ask ourselves at one point or another is a question that is kind of found or is summarized in the seventh chapter of Matthew Verse 21, it says, Not every one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter in the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? In thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me. Those will be some sad, sad words for us to hear. 
like uh, the pastor was talking about in Matthew 25. We always have an ideal of if we go to church, we do everything like we're supposed to. We don't deny God. I mean, everybody believes in God. But why is it that people go to church end up over here? Why is it that people go to church do not understand discipleship? Why do they not understand that? You said, oh, I just wish I could ask Jesus, what would you like for me to do? And in 25 of Matthew, verse 21, 31, I'm sorry, says, When the Son of Man shall come in His glory, and all the holy angels with Him, then shall He set upon the throne of His glory, and before Him shall be gathered all nations. This is Jesus talking to His disciples right before He was crucified. He says, I, I'm telling you what's happening. I'm telling you what's going to happen. You see, he says, and he shall separate them one from another. As a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. He says, shed his sheep on his right hand and his goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And we get all excited right then. It says, because, man, I looked at your church attendance and you were right on. I looked at all the things that you've been doing. You give your money, you give your tithe, you support charities, you do all those things, and that's what we expect him to hear. But that's not what he said. And we make it so complicated. So complicated. Because he says, For I was hungered, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. And I was in prison, and you came unto me. Wow. Then shall the righteous answer his saying, Lord, when do we see thee hungered and fed thee or thirsty or gave thee drink? When saw we a stranger and took thee in or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Inasmuch as you have done it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. Why are Christians left on the earth once they have a relationship with Jesus Christ? What's the greatest thing that could happen to a Christian is to leave this earth and go and spend eternity with our Lord and Savior. But yet He left us here for a reason. Not for the religion, because the religious people of the day is the one that crucified Jesus. But He gave us a job to do, to disciple, to do all the things that the Lord has told you. Brad's story is very inspiring, but I'm going to tell you, God's not a respecter of persons. He can do the same thing to you, but He will only use what you give Him. 
And there's so many of us. I want to give God what's left over. You see, so many of us are signing pieces of papers and making deals with the devil. And we do it all the time. But it all goes back to this. How do you separate religion and relationship? You know, the devil was smarter than we are. He at least trembled at the name of the Lord. We take it in vain and go on. So I'm asking you today, do you have religion or do you have a relationship? Has it ever been put to you in a way that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know? John says, I write these things so that you may know you have eternal life. Not a hope so. I hope, my goodness, I went to church, I checked all the boxes. It ain't got anything to do with it. I went to church for all my life. Walked down the aisle, said the magic words when I was 13 years old, got wet. I was lost as a goose. But I didn't turn my life over to Christ. And today, I, want, I, I tell you this much. If you can't look back at a point in time in your life when something started changing, nothing has ever happened. Many on that day will say, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We, we cast out devils. We, we done all those religious things and depart from me. I never knew you. Today, like they say, the distance of about 14 inches, the distance from your head to your heart, is the distance people miss heaven and hit hell. Because it says believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. We got too many mouth confessing Christians and no heart confessing Christians. Today, I want you to go back and revisit that time that your life changed. And if your life did not change, I'm going to give you an opportunity. I'm going to give you an opportunity to wake up. To wake up. We can look at these times that we're in right now, and we know it's time. We know that one day the Lord's going to be gathering everybody on the side, and He's going to separate the sheep from the goats, and He's going to tell you, Will you the well done, my good and faithful servant, or depart from me, for I never knew you. So today, we're going to revisit that time, if there was a time. And if there wasn't a time, we're going to make today the day. Because the Bible says today is the day of salvation. With every head bowed and every eye closed. No one looking around. I'm going to ask the pastor to come up here and stand, and Brad will be up here. And what I want you to do is to visit that time. Visit that time. And I want you to ask yourself, I, I want you to ask this. Lord, do I really know you? Or do I know about you? You see, it's not about us knowing the Lord. It's about Him knowing us. 
And I'm going to do a sinner's prayer. There's nothing magical about this. This is about you being honest with yourself and God. And you so inclined, I want you to say these words in your heart, but only if you mean it. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. Lord, I know that I've done wrong. And Lord, I've tried to put religion, I've tried to put everything else into making things right with you, but Lord, I, I, I can't do it myself. Lord, I'm asking you right now to help me. Show me what I need to do. Because, God, I want to have a relationship. I want to have a testimony like Brad Brock. I want to know that you know that you know that you know that when you come in your glory, I'm going to be one of your soldiers and not one of those you're going to be slaughtering. God, I ask you right now to come into my heart and save me. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you just prayed that prayer, Nobody looking around. You just prayed that prayer. I want you to raise your hand up right where you are. Raise it up high. Because the Bible says, if you're ashamed of me before me, and I'm going to be ashamed of you before my Father. Raise them up high. Now I want those with their hands up to look right up here at me. Just those with their hands up. Did you just accept Jesus Christ as your Savior? Did you just accept Jesus Christ as your Savior? Did you just accept Jesus Christ as your Savior? Did you just accept Jesus Christ as your Savior? Did you just accept Jesus Christ as your Savior? Did you just accept it? Did you just accept you? All those with their hands up and just accepted Christ as their Savior, please get up out of your chair and make this congregation known that you are not ashamed of Jesus Christ. Y'all come on. Come on. Come on. Those that just accepted Christ. You just accepted Christ as your Savior. Come on up here. Come on up here. Your pastor. Your pastor will be up here. We really appreciate you guys. Really appreciate the pastor. Really appreciate these men that just accepted Christ as their Savior. And if you guys out there need to talk to your pastor, please do so. We appreciate you guys, brother. Because, guys, there's nothing like knowing that you know. There's nothing like knowing that you know. Because God can do miracles with His people. He can't do miracles with the onlookers. You've got to be a partaker in God's world. So you guys are awesome. And I know that God's going to continue to work in mighty ways. I mean, it's just unbelievable what God does at the House of Hope. It's unbelievable. And this world right now needs... It's very imperative. Does anybody think the world is going to hell in a handbasket? We need, we need Christians to stand up and be the Christian soldiers that you're called to be. And no, it doesn't mean you got to go up and you know, remember those sayings when he said, when did I see you? All you got to do is just ask somebody if they're hungry. 
Ask somebody if they're thirsty. Just visit them. And those questions and those things that you do are going to lead to, why are you doing this? And then you give an opportunity of testifying to yourself. Well, we appreciate you guys. And we love you. Brother. Wow, thank you so much, Brad. I, I just want to say, Larry, Larry, stand up again. Uh, just because of the opportunity to do ministry through my life and serving God, I would tell you there's so many programs out there, residential treatment facilities. One of the things, there's two things that really impressed me about the household. Number one, Larry, whenever I call, this is so unusual, and I hope you never don't do this. Whenever I call Larry, he answers usually on the first ring. I just, that's, I, you don't know how I don't do that, and, uh, amen, but you do. And it just, at the first time you did it, the second time you did it, and I thought, man, I can call Larry, he's going to answer his phone. And I really appreciate that more than you know. The other thing, Brad, in the last three, almost four years now, there's so many residential treatment facilities, faith-based, they're everywhere because we live in a dark world. But there has never been a time when I call Brad in the circumstances God always opened doors that only he can open. I'll say, Brad, I found a guy, and before I can finish the sentence, he says, bring him. Bring him. He just says, if I had another name for Brad, I'd call him Brad, bring him Brock. Brock. And I mean that. He just says, bring him. Before I tell the story, before I give the details, he just says, bring him. You don't know how rare that is. There's so many places that are... And they all operate based upon whatever or wherever they're led to. But that impresses me so much. So we're grateful that you're here this morning. We're grateful that we get to be a part of your ministry. And just thank you and God bless you. We have certainly worshiped God this morning. We're going to have uh, the Lord's Supper. And then we're going to have a baptism. And thank you for, again, Brad bringing the message this morning. Thank you, men, for being here in church. Thank you for worshiping the Lord this morning. Lord's Supper, or do we have a song? Lord's Supper, correct? Yes. Okay, Lord's Supper.